Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have an amazing guest with us today. He is a friend. I've known him for a long time. We'll just tell you a little bit about him. First of all, he did not dream really of owning a tire store. He did dream of owning something. And other kids wanted to be baseball players or firefighter. But our guest today wanted to be a businessman. And now he is a speaker, a writer, an entrepreneur. And after earning an MBA, he has founded or purchased over a dozen successful companies. Welcome, Kent Coleman. Hey, thanks so much, Steve, for having me. Happy to be here. Well, before we get started, I'd like to tell you just a little bit more about Kent. Currently, he owns a chain of auto repair franchises and various commercial properties. (laughs) Really not a car guy himself. His auto repair shops are consistently some of the highest producing stores in the nation. Kent's strength is getting to the root of an issue. He has a knack for asking the right questions to solve the right problems. He and his wife, Crystal, have four children, and they love the outdoors, including the mountains, the trees, the beach, and and the slick rock. Kent and his family live in Utah, and just for our listeners, Kent and I met like 25 years ago in Spain. And we were both there on missions for our church, uh, humanitarian service. We have great memories of serving together in places like Madrid and Segovia. We were just laughing about that. What a place Segovia is, Kent. Yeah, Segovia is an amazing, beautiful city. Um, If you've never been to Spain or Segovia in northern Spain, it's it's magical. It has the old castles and the cathedrals, the old Roman ruins, the cobblestone streets, and it's it's really a wonderful place. I got to live there for six months. Yeah, whoa, six months, man. <laughs> That's yeah, some yeah. service right there. One of the beautiful parts of Segovia is it has a two-mile aqueduct built by the Romans that connects, uh, actually feeds water into the city across a valley. So the city is down in, in the valley and then comes back up where they have the cathedral, et cetera. And so it provided water to the city, but it is an impeccable condition today, 2000 years later, and there is no mortar in the construction of that. It spans up to almost 200 feet high at its peak as it comes across and feeds water. Just what wonderful memories, right? It was a great time. 
and you had a big impact on me. I was 19 years old at the time, Steve, and you had a great impact on my desire to learn and to speak and to write and and to try to work on my leadership skills. So I, I appreciate those that time we had together. Oh, you bet. And you've done a great job of it, Kent. You're an inspiration. Well, to get going today, Kent, would you please just tell us about your background, including any turning points in your life that have had a significant impact on you and particularly what you're doing today? Yeah, you bet. I had a wonderful childhood with really amazing parents. It was really great. I have great memories of, of my life growing up. My parents did not have a lot of money. Even with my, my wonderful time with my family, money was hard to come by. I you know, had a hand-me-down bike and hand-me-down clothes and a hand-me-down baseball glove. And we rarely went out to eat uh, for dinner and things like this. And so I was always looking, even as a young child, looking for ways to make a little bit of money. Um, even, I can remember little jobs as young as seven and eight years old. I had a little red wagon. I asked my neighbors if I could collect their newspapers and their pop cans and my dad would drive me down to the recycler in downtown Ogden, Utah, and I'd, I'd get ten or twelve dollars, you know, on a weekend, and and I loved that. So that was my first business. But you know, just through my my youth, my teenage years, I was always looking for ways to to get a little extra money. And then I went to college at Brigham Young University, and then as you mentioned, I got an MBA after that, and I started small businesses pretty much right after college, about a year after school. Um, I was working for a large corporation and I learned a lot there in the accounting world, but really it just wasn't for me to be in that office all the time working for a large corporation. It didn't fit my personality. I really wanted to be doing my own thing. And so I was starting my own businesses. And early on, I'll tell you, I failed at a variety of businesses. I started some things that did not go well. And the business that I own now that does quite well, we're at the top of our industry and I made some big mistakes that I could explain in that one and early on that we had to learn from. So throughout my life, I've always had this desire to, to be an entrepreneur. But along the way, I, I had to learn some hard lessons. That's for sure. Well, I appreciate that background. That, uh, it is an inspiration. It's, it's been fun to watch you over the years. And, and you're a good person, too. I mean, you really work hard to be a good father and a good human being and in addition to a good businessman. So great to see that. Now, tell us about your book. Kent recently released a book, a new book. It's not about the mangoes. So how did it come about and why did you write it? What's in it? <laughs> yeah, I've always enjoyed telling stories. I've always been into writing my stories. I, I've, I've been pretty good at keeping a journal over the years, since even since I was young. And I just enjoy stories. I enjoy storytelling. I, I enjoy listening to stories. And so I have this compilation of, of these life experiences, including experiences from work and uh, stories that have inspired me, things that I've learned from, mostly learned from my own mistakes. And then I've also learned and been inspired from other great people who I've worked with. And I've written these little stories down. So I thought, uh, and I, I come, my family has written some books. My dad wrote some books and I have a sister that wrote a, a great book. And anyway, I thought that this is something that I could do. So I, started writing these stories and trying to put them into what what principles have I learned from these stories that are applicable that other people might enjoy and that might be able to help them in their organization or in their life. So I, I you know, use a lot of stories from my current business that I've had for 16 years. We have a small chain of tire stores in Utah. It's a franchise situation. The brand is called Big O Tires. 
It's most, there's about 500 locations nationwide. It's mostly from the Midwest to the West Coast. We have seven locations. What's unique about us is that our locations happen to do over three times the average revenue of the average store. That hasn't always been the case. We've, we've kind of figured this out in the past three to five years to where we can acquire a location and we can double their revenue or triple their revenue within 30 to 60 days. So it's kind of a unique thing. So in our in my little world, a lot of people know us and, and what we do. We have the number one revenue store in the nation that does about uh, six times the national average. We have multiple stores in the top 10 in revenue, and all of our stores are in the top about 25 or 30 out of those 500 locations. And I'm not a car guy. And so I, I, I'm not, I'm horrible at anything mechanical. And so people know that about me and, and they are curious and they, they wonder how I got into it. And they're curious about how we're able to do what we do. And so the book gets into that. And I, I use a lot of stories to explain and illustrate how we're able to accomplish being at the top of our industry in our, you know, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think of a tire store, an auto repair shop as this, as this place where we're teaching company culture and a positive company culture, but that's what we do and that's who we are. And so that's, that's the gist of the book. And it's about how an organization can create an environment where people truly can outpace their peers by three to four times. And we, you know, there's nothing special about our tires or our brakes that we install. These are commodity products that our competitors have very similar products that we do. And uh, we're, we're still able to, to figure this out. And so the book gets into how we do that. Okay, good. And one of the things I love about what Kent's doing, and I so much enjoyed the book, I had some really great take-home values, if you will, of things I got out of the book. And in the spirit of becoming your best, one of the things I've noticed is what Kent is doing, I've seen over and over that the 12 principles of highly successful leaders are there in what he does. He's got a vision. He manages with a plan. He cares about his people, so he lives the golden rule, works on building high levels of trust, and you'll see this coming out in his discussion. Kent's doing the things that other really top executives do around the world, and uh, regardless of whether it's a small business, large business. So tell us the story about it's not about the mangoes. You're talking about stories. I want to hear a story today. You bet. So we were struggling early on in my company. When I acquired the business, I was 28. At the time, I acquired two franchises at once from the same owner. We happened to buy a very high volume store. And again, I had no automotive experience. I used capital from another small business that was unrelated to to buy this company. And the people I worked with were really shocked that a a 28-year-old with very limited automotive experience or no automotive knowledge, it was new the new owner. They were hard on me. It was a challenging environment. In that time, what happened was uh, we were really struggling. Uh, the, the people I worked with didn't really want to work with me. Um, I hadn't learned a lot of the principles that I now know about the great value that people have in an organization. And I just didn't understand that yet. I hadn't, I hadn't learned that yet. And as we were struggling, this was in 07 and 08, and it was also the recession, of course, when we first bought our stores. And my solution to our our decrease in sales, our sales went down about 30%. So that store was doing 6 million in revenue when I bought it. 
And within a couple of years, I was ruining it. We were doing 4.1 million. And my solution to this, this spiral down in, in sales and in profitability was that I knew that our costs of payroll were very high. So I thought that the way I could solve this was just by cutting our most expensive people. And, you know, now I, I realize that's a horrible strategy for a variety of reasons, from legal reasons to, to just plain old, you know, operating reasons that, that that's a bad idea. But I didn't know that at the time. And so I went to, for example, one of our good mechanics, his name was Rich, young guy with a, a little family, and he was a really good mechanic and he got paid really, really well. And I let him go for absolutely no reason other than he made a lot of money. He was completely blindsided, completely uh, angry, and he let me have it pretty good that, that I decided to do that. But, you know, it is what it is. For a minute, it worked out and I'll come back. I can tell you what happened with Rich later on. that It comes full circle. But at that time, it worked out fine for a minute. Uh, our costs went down. And all of a sudden, I had some breathing room. I had a little bit of cash in the bank. I was feeling pretty good. But then our sales started spiraling downward even faster after that. Why? Because I'd gotten rid of our best people. It was a horrible decision. So at that time, I mean, the people that I had replaced the expensive people with, they were attracted to me. Why? Because they were cheap. And I got exactly what I paid for. And these new people, they, you know, the sales staff, they'd walk around the store. They wouldn't talk to customers. They didn't answer the ringing phones. They were rude. They were grumpy. They didn't care about meeting a goal. They didn't care about being great. They had no ambition. That just wasn't in their personality. So at that time, I, I realized that the only way that I was going to dig out of the hole that I had dug was to find people to help me. That another line of credit was not going to solve my problems that I had to find great people and I had to try to correct the bad mistakes that I'd made. So in my search, I didn't want to just find good people. I wanted the best people. I wanted the absolute best people that I could possibly find. And I wanted to pay them whatever I had to pay them to get me to get them to join my team. So I was able to find a guy through a, a referral that was working at a a competing shop uh, a ways away from us. And supposedly he was the top tire salesperson in our whole county. I reached out to him and he had turned out that he wasn't happy where he was and we were able to get him to join our team. I was nervous about that. Uh, he was 27 years old, but he'd been in our industry for 10 years. He'd started in high school. He was expensive. He was really good. He had this super dynamic, outgoing, positive personality. He was able to connect with people. And he knew it and he wanted to get paid and I had no money. So this was a problem. I went out on a limb. I decided to take the risk and we worked out a deal. And his name was Jose Cordova. So Jose was telling me about his, his growing up as I got to know him because right out of the gate, he was, he was amazing. He was so good. All of a sudden sales just started happening when he was there. The other people on our team didn't like Jose because they preferred a gloomy culture and a dark culture. And he was full of light and energy. They didn't like that. But he started selling so much that we had to hire more technicians to get all the work done. And I'm like, Jose, how, how is this possible? How are you able to sell so much? And he's telling me his background. He, when he was a young boy, he moved from the United States to Zacatecas, Mexico, and to help his with his family's produce business. His dad his, was helping a family member with the produce business. And Jose worked in this. And on the weekends, he had to sell one ton of mangoes, literally 2,000 pounds of mangoes at the local market. Imagine like a farmer's market type situation. 
and he would go to sell these mangoes and he told me how people would line up to buy mangoes from him and how there were other you know mango sellers at the market but people would line up to buy from jose and i said well why was that were your mangoes bigger or were they fresher and he said no nothing like that we all sold the same mangoes and i said well then obviously you must have had a lower price that's the only way that people would line up to buy from you and he said no i didn't have a lower price and he got frustrated with me and he said kent it's not about the mangoes and that struck me and i said what 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 do you how is that possible what do you mean he said, well, here's how it went. He said, I saw, even as a young boy, he was like, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. He said, I, I knew that I could, if I could make a connection with people, that maybe they'd come back and see me. So as they passed by, he'd make a little comment about their T-shirt or their hat. He would ask them about their family, their children, their grandchildren, where they worked. He was just making connections with people. And little by little, these people wouldn't just line up to buy mangoes. They would line up to buy mangoes from Jose Mm. with all kinds of other fruit vendors around with no one in line. It was a huge spark of enlightenment to me. He said, Kent, it's not about the product you're selling. It's all about connections. It's all about relationships. And so now today in our stores, he's he's probably the top tire salesman on planet Earth for all I know. The guy is amazing. And people know, you know, we have a really busy store. He's at our most busy store, the number one store in the nation. And people don't just line up to buy tires. They line up to buy tires from Jose. Hey, great story. I love it. Uh, That's (laughs) inviting. So one of the quotes from the book is the people you partner with, the people you hire, the people you train, the people you encourage and the people you elevate are what make the difference and what will ultimately make your organization successful. Quote, unquote, what have you learned in regard to what are some of the important things you can do to make people the main thing? Great question. So in any organization, we could all make a list of all the things that we could do to improve our organization, right? If I were to list every single thing that I could improve or make better my organization, there would be hundreds or probably even thousands of things on that list that we could do better. And and maybe that's not true for you, Steve, with your organization. You're the pro. Maybe your organization's perfect. Is that the case? (laughs) (laughs) We got plenty of improvement. Every that's that's why we call it, Kent, becoming your best. There you go. go. I like it. Well, that's the case, right? We could all we could all make lists of so many things that we could improve our business on. What we've found is that as we try to surround ourselves with amazing people and for the people who are already on our team, we want to bring their skills, their light, their energy to the surface in a great way that they're excited about it, that they're in the right spot, the right position to be the most successful, to feel great about their contribution, and then bring new people to our team like Jose and others that we've brought on that have this light, that have this ability to connect and build relationships, see what needs to be done, have a desire for hard work, for integrity, to reach goals, to be optimistic and do things the right way. What we've found is that these people very naturally work on the things on the list. And we don't have to force it. We don't have to uh, make them 
you know, start checking these things off on, you know, these hundreds of things on our list that we know that could be better. These amazing people just very naturally work on these things and make the organization better without us having to force it and force their hand and be right over their shoulder, watching them, making them do it. They just, they do it because they want to do it. And we try to create an environment where it's, it's very natural for them to do that. So how do you find and keep good people? I mean, especially in today's world, because 10 times harder right now post COVID. It is hard and it's hard for us. This is, it's not easy. The reality is the majority of these types of people have jobs and they're high performers. And so they have jobs, they're making good money. And so most of these people that I look for are not randomly walking into my place of business asking for work. The reality of it is we have to actively pursue them. We have to actively recruit them. And we do that. So we, we are, we're pretty much obsessed with people and finding these great people. So we're always on the hunt, me and my leadership team, we are always on the hunt for people and everywhere we go. And so, for example, we met a guy named Victor, a young guy right out of college, got a marketing degree from the University of Utah. He was selling cell phones at a kiosk in the mall. We met him and he just seemed to have this great ability to connect. We recruited him and we were, he had a good job. He was doing well. We were able to get him to come and join our team and we sold him on our culture. And he knows nothing about automotive, zero whatsoever. And we started training him on how to sell tires and auto repairs. Mm. And within 60 days, he was doing double our average salesperson in, in uh, sales. He's not a technical expert by any means. It's just simply this ability to connect and we do pay him well. We pay, we pay our people higher than the industry average. So that's one way we attract them when they don't know us. Um, as far as keeping them after they know us, I really think that people stay with us because of our culture. It's this vibrant environment where we appreciate people. They know we appreciate them. We don't berate people. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, everything's kumbaya all the time, but when people make mistakes, we really try to deal with it in a constructive and respectful way. We don't demean people. We don't drive them into the ground. I remember in a situation, my, my job that I did have as an accountant right out of college, I was working for a large corporation. And the manager of this site, his name was Al. And Al, uh, I remember him bringing this stack of paperwork to this gal who was the office manager. He marches to her desk in a very rude way. He, he tells her, I need this work done within an hour. And then he drops this pile of paperwork onto the floor next to her intentionally and then turns and walks away. And this, this woman had to bend over, pick up the work, you know, and I just saw that. And I was like, whoa, that, that should never happen to anyone ever at work or, or anywhere else. And if I ever own a company, that's not going to happen in our organization. So that's how. So we we treat people in a way that we believe that they're wonderful. We we believe that they want to be great, and we treat them accordingly. So our people are constantly reaching out to people they know and referring them to come work for us. And so that's a little indicator of how I I think we're doing a decent job at creating a culture where people want to be with us because they refer people to us. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So you're always on the lookout for good people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So, all right. Well, you talked a little bit about this. How do you take care 
of your people so they want to stay. Yeah, so this this culture has taken us a long time to get to the point where we are. Like I said, we had to learn a lot of these lessons. I had to learn a lot of these hard lessons through through not treating people well to to realize what a mistake that was. So now that we we kind of have this established, we do things along the way. Um, like I said, we do pay well, but I don't know that that's really the reason they stay. That's the reason I think we get them. But once they come, the reason they stay, you know, for example, two weeks ago, we had a a big dinner for all of our all of our adult employees and their spouses or significant others or partners. We had a nice dinner together at a, at a place. There was probably 300 of us. And we had a, a casino night where, you know, we brought in games where people can can play these casino games and have fun. It was just a really great opportunity to spend time together and to build that relationship throughout the year. You know, we might close our stores for a day and go to the local amusement park and with their with the kids and the families. And we provide that um, at Christmas time. We'll rent out a big movie theater and we'll we'll watch a movie together. And, you know, these are small things. But in our world, it, it does seem to go a long way uh, that our people feel like we care. We're interested in them. We're interested in their well-being. And there's some camaraderie there. Like I said, it's not perfect. We, we still mess up plenty. But overall, there's a general culture that is positive and people like to stay with us. Yeah. So in other words, you really develop a, a relationship, uh, a, a great word in uh Spanish is amistad, which is just, uh, you know, it's a relationship and almost a family where you feel connected to one another. And when you get to that level, it makes a difference. Yeah, we have very low turnover for relative to others in our industry. Very, very low turnover. It does make a difference. Some of these things might sound kind of cheesy or or like, oh, do people really care? Not everyone's into it. You know, the employees that aren't into those social things, they don't have to come and there's no pressure for them to come. And that's fine. But overall, people do seem to like it. Right. Okay, that's super. Kent, how does this apply at home? What we're talking about? If you happen to be a parent or an uncle or an aunt or even friends with someone, how does it apply in our personal lives? Yeah, this principle is universal, whether it's at work or at home or in our community with our neighbors. It's truly seeing every single person on this planet as someone who has value. So I believe that every single person that is born on this earth is born with light and that every single one of us have light and have divinity within us. And so that means that we all have amazing, significant value, every single person. And as we go throughout our life, if if people are really hard on us and we can be really hard on ourselves and we can make really bad mistakes and, and make really bad choices and, and that light can kind of diminish a little bit. I've seen that in my own life when I, I can sense that the light within myself kind of retract, kind of diminish in a little bit. And when I'm trying to reach out and, and lift people up and lift myself up, I can feel my life expanding and growing. And so regardless of, of where we are on that, I really believe that every single person has at least a spark of light, a spark of divinity within us that never goes away, that we have just by the fact that we were born. And so as we view the world that way, this principle that every single person has immense value just because they're a person, then we start to treat people in a way that, that is respectful and that is kind and that is uplifting. And, and that principle really holds true in, 
we can all expand this, this light that we have and it can grow brighter and brighter over time as we try to develop it. And as we try to bring the light to the surface and people around us at work and at home and with our friends and in our community and as we go to the grocery store and wherever that is, we can be a source of, of really a high level of goodness to lift people up around us. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that perspective and spot on, really. How do, you know, it's really about uh, being the kind of person, the leader that brings the best out in other people, that brings that light out. Love it. So uh, what have you found? I love the story about it's not about the mangoes. It's about getting mangoes from Jose, right? And right. So how do you take care of customers so they want to come back again and again? How do you do that? And, and how do you create loyal customers? Yeah, so our top performers have this ability to connect with customers. We do want to provide great service. We want to be accurate in our repairs, in our diagnosis of, of the issues that the customer has. Those, those things on the more technical side are going to be you know, needful across every organization. We, we want to do a good job in executing the, the service that we provide or the product that we provide our customers, no question. Right. But like I said earlier, we have competitors all around us that also sell the same brand of tires that we sell. So the question is, how do we get loyalty from people when we're all selling the same stuff generally? And the way we do that is through connections and relationships on a personal level. We really try to hire people who have this skill and who have this ability to connect and who have a knack for making a quick and meaningful social connection. And what happens when we do that is if we make a mistake, which we do make this mistake sometimes as we repair cars um, unintentionally. And as we do that and we do everything we can to make it right with the customer, then they're way more likely to be forgiving and to understand or to meet us in the middle or whatever that might, whatever the case may be. We continue to work together and maintain that relationship over and over again, even when we make a mistake, because they trust us that we're going to we're going to make it right, because it's not just a business transaction. It's a relationship. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I am always amazed, Kent, of how fast these podcasts go. Our time is up. Yeah. Hey, great. And it went lickety split just like that. And uh, so any final tips that you would like to share with our listeners today? You know, I guess the last tip would just be that a major focus on people is what has dramatically changed our organization. In, in both lifting people up who are already in our organization to help them be happy with their position and their what their job is and, and help them feel great about their contribution. And then adding people to the organization who really care about these principles that we've discussed. And then finally, the last point would be, we all fail all the time. I'm, I'm number one at this. And that failure does not have to be, you know, a final thing that, we can fail and we can learn from that and we can grow and we can become better. And that's really the joy of life. And uh, if everything were perfect all the time, there'd be no fun in that. We'd all be pretty bored really fast, but this concept that we can fail, we can learn and we can grow is a great concept. And it's really helped our organization. Well, great. Well, thank you. That's great advice uh, for every one of us. Can't, how can people find out about what you're doing? How can they get the book and, how can they find these resources? 
Yeah, so my website is tireguykent.com or kentcoleman.com. Facebook is tireguykent, or you can find me at Kent Coleman on LinkedIn. The book, It's Not About the Mangoes, is for sale on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or other online resources. It's in uh, paperback, hardback, audible, digital, however you want it. And so feel free to follow me on uh, Tire Guy Kent on Facebook is probably the best place or on LinkedIn. Okay, great. Now, it's been so fun to have you here, Kent. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for your time. Oh, it's been a blast. And what a productive visit this has been. Love the perspective, uh, the application, and the inspiration of it. So we wish you the best, Kent, in everything that you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thanks. You too. Take care. Okay. And to all of our listeners, wherever you might be, we're so grateful. I, I always think about this, how grateful I am that you're able and willing to take time to join us. It's a privilege and an honor for us. And it says so much about you and your desire to become your best. And it's these little things that you just keep working on. And they end up one day you wake up and your DNA is different. You see it differently and you're better. And it helps bring out this light that Kent was talking about today. So we wish you the best in everything you're doing today and always. Thank you for joining us. And until the next time, this is Steve Schallenberger, your host, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.